From Look Up Here Productions, this is Open Your Hymnal, the show that explores the most beloved, enduring, and consequential songs we sing at Mass. Here are your hosts, Matt Reichert and Zach Stahowski. Welcome back, Open Your Hymnal listeners. My name is Zach Stahowski. And I am Matt Reichert. And we are really pleased to have you with us today. So I might suggest to our listeners that if you haven't yet listened to our episode uh, with Bob Hurd about Pande Vida, you might want to give that episode a listen before continuing with this episode, as I think this episode is mostly going to be a continuation of our conversation about bilingual music. I agree. Our conversation with Bob Hurd was certainly very rich and was able to address several topics related to bilingual music in general, but certainly there's a lot more there and there's a lot more corners to explore and and other issues to to dissect a little bit. And our conversation with Jaime Cortez today uh, really allows us to ask some bigger questions to consider some other uh, pastoral issues, some other musical issues when it comes to bilingual music. And I think it's going to be a really fruitful conversation. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about uh, with the Bob Hurd episode is our first bilingual song that we introduced on this podcast was written by a white American. Now, I think we did talk about how he had really studied the language and his, you know, translation with a native speaker. But I think now uh, exploring a song written by someone whose uh, primary first language was Spanish uh, gives a new new light to this conversation. And in addition to that, again, in so many of our conversations, we've had a theme of, of mentorship, yes, but more importantly, collaboration. And I think this episode has that theme running through it also, the, the great collaboration um, and uh, working relationship, artistic relationship between Bob Hurd and Jaime Cortez comes out here and reveals the, the richness of of again, that partnership, but also the importance of encouraging more voices um, of diverse backgrounds composing music to be sung in our churches today. So please open your hymnal to Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo. Hello, my name is Jaime Cortez. I am a pastoral musician that lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I am super, super happy to be here. I was in my parish in Mesa, Arizona, and I was looking for music, uh, noticing that uh, there was already some movement uh, towards creating music that would have English and Spanish. There was not a lot of that. It was in the sometime in the eighties, but I, I was watching this uh, person called Bob Hurd, who was releasing music in English and in Spanish. And I had, of course, I knew who Bob Hurd was from his beautiful music that we have for, for liturgy. But I did not. I had not met him, and I uh, was interested in the fact that he was releasing music in Spanish also. And I remember uh, specifically looking at the song "Pueblo de Dios." It so happened to be that I was in a in a 
workshop. Maybe it was a regional NPM. And uh, I, in, in one of the showcases where all the composers uh, were there from OCP, Bob was releasing uh, a new collection. And the song that he sang there, he showcased Alleluia, Give the Glory. And I had just, just began to write music for OCP. And I had written early uh, a piece called Rain Down. And so that's the song that I, I showcased. And I, I believe our songs were either back to back or very close to one another. And they sound similar in style. They were both what, they, what we would call gospel style. And so uh, I remember him, you know, saying a, a little joke about that. And, and, then, and then when the session was over, he pulled me aside and said to me, I, I, am, I live in California and I am interested in creating a collection of songs that would be for Mass in which we would have English and Spanish so that communities that are having Spanish-speaking population growing rapidly in California, especially at the time, uh, would, would, would be able to worship together with the English speakers. And I saw that you not only write interesting music, but that you actually can handle Spanish. So I'm asking you, would you be interested in participating in this project? And I couldn't believe it. I, I just, I was turning around in both directions, looking behind me going, are you talking to me? You know, so, you know, it was great to meet him. It was a wonderful beginning of a beautiful friendship, really. Um, nowadays, you know, this is 20 some years later. Uh, Bob Hurd has not become, not only become a close friend of mine, but through the years, as he always has been gracious enough and generous enough with all the people that he meets, you know, he has been a wonderful mentor to me and a wonderful teacher. So, um, but that was the the beginning. Uh, his idea was, you know, he wanted to create a collection of music that was uh, for communities, uh, mainly where he was living. There was, uh, there was where where Hispanic communities and Spanish speaking communities were starting to come in, and the and the musicians of the time didn't have enough material to to provide for celebrations in which they were together. So what I remember about Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo is that my, my idea uh, specifically was that I wanted to create a song that was 50-50, uh, that, that uh, I, I wanted to have a song that, that said something about how we were churched together, but that the language was equal in, in amounts. Uh, then after that, it was just a matter of saying, okay, if, you, if I say, you know, somos el cuerpo de Cristo, we are the body of Christ. Uh, one of the memories that I have is, you know, do, do we start this in English? Or do we start this in Spanish? And I don't remember if there was any particular reason why, but I, I, it felt to me that, that, the, um, that we wanted to kick it off with, with the Spanish line. With the exception of Marty Haugen's All Are Welcome, every song we've featured on this podcast so far has been written in the verse-refrain structure. And I think a unique feature of Jaime's song is its use of call and response. And, and it's an interesting compositional device or arranging advice, but in this application, I think it's also an important pastoral device. Um, if, if we are looking at this piece as an example of bilingual music that's meant to get a worshiping community representing at least two or multiple cultures, multiple language groups to sing together, 
this call and response really makes this song more accessible to members of both language groups, but but certainly more comfortable. And and when we're looking at something congregational, I think that's that's really critical and really key. So we we started in Spanish, and then I just wrote a list of what are the things that we are called to be doing as church. So the verses of the song are you know part of the mission of the church. And what are we called to do, you know, to whether it is to stop abuse and relieving the hungry and, you know, go to the world and take care of, of Christ's sheep and, you know, all those things that we are called to do as the, the mission of the church. And then I just figured out, you know, how would I translate this? And, you know, as I started looking at the list and seeing the complication of pronouncing the words, it was hard enough to pronounce the, the, uh, the refrain. Then I, 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 I thought of the device of, well, what if one person or two people would say the lines in the verses of all the things of the mission of the church and everybody would just have a single response that they could say? That was a great idea because at the time, you know, then, then you wouldn't have to be that afraid of singing the, the, the text. You could just respond, you know, the, the verses all have a, an assembly or an all response that is somos el cuerpo de cristo and then we are the body of christ the the single lines of the mission of the church were just said by a cantor and so that's how it began it just was a list like a litany you know and and i just went little by little and 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 then i just i, I made a cassette of it i remember making just a simple cassette of it and well if you remember what cassettes are and uh and i and i sent it to bob and bob was floored you know, and, and so I didn't really, you know, I didn't think much of it, but it, but the the song made such an impact to him, I think, because I think that he, it just, it, it, it was very sharp at focusing on what he was trying to achieve about this collection. Al mundo a cumplir la misión de la iglesia, somos el cuerpo de when I write music now that is bilingual, most of the time I will start with Spanish first because of the accents and the amount of syllables. I think that the, the biggest challenge is more is the amount of syllables to say something clearly. Uh, uh, certainly one of the biggest misconceptions of English-speaking writers when they want something translated is that they think that they can uh, just get a translation that will fit their melodic content from an English-conceived song. A piece I can think of is, I myself am the bread of life. You and I are the bread of life, taken and blessed, broken and shared by Christ. Uh, in English, it's so simple to do this in such few uh, syllables. But when you want to say those those thoughts, as in, you know, taken and blessed, broken and shared by Christ, that the world may live, in, in such few syllables, it's impossible. So it's much better to me, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, it's better to pre-plan and say those things in Spanish first, even if I'm not necessarily being poetic, but just to just to pre-plan it so that this is what it's going to take. So it becomes really interesting. You know, it's a, it's a tricky thing, and it takes, uh, as, as we get more complicated in our theology and what we want to say in the messages, it has become more complicated. And Bob and I also found that the... You know, some some of the communities were frustrated that they couldn't just jump into a bilingual song, so they started saying, "We have, but can you have just a Spanish version of this?" So we started challenging ourselves to say, "Could we create songs that are bilingual, but really write them entirely in English, entirely in Spanish, and have a bilingual option for the refrain?" That way, you can now choose how are you going to take this. You know, you can say. We're going to use the bilingual refrain with all the verses in English, you know, and you can do that in an English mass. 
or you can say we're going to take bilingual refrain and sing all the verses in Spanish in the Spanish Mass. But uh, uh, when we're in Thanksgiving Day, we can sing this in bilingual form and choose how we're going to do the verses. And that became creating that kind of music where you have all English, all Spanish, and a bilingual option is really difficult. That takes three times the work. As a composer, you know, I I have to confess that, you know, I took Spanish through college, but I am by no means fluent. And in in a couple songs, you know, I attempted to to set some bilingual refrains, and I never showed them to anyone because I knew that they didn't work. But it, it it shows, you know, there's a lot that goes into knowing how to write for a particular language, especially when you consider Spanish, that there are some words and phrases that must use elisions. Um, that's that's one of the one of the sticking points. And also just unless you are really aware of the idioms of of the language, um, it's very difficult to do. And that's why I think, you know, it's so important that people who are fluent and native speakers of these languages, um, I think it, it illustrates the importance for them to be writing and uh, setting texts uh, for bilingual use. In our interview with Jaime, he told an interesting story about the original title for the album that Somos appears on. And I think it stresses the importance of the intricacies of language, uh, certainly the importance of collaboration, understanding that in some languages, just a little inflection or a difference in spelling can have a completely different meaning. So we'll let, we'll let Jaime tell the story. I remember that the initial project was in his head was called Make Us One, Asnos Uno. Make Us One, Asnos Uno was his translation of a beautiful song that now is called Amor de Dios. Oh, love of God, oh, love of God, Amor de Dios is, is the name of the song. And it's, you know, in the Breaking Bread hymnals. Um, he, he took that line from that song, uh, uh, oh, love of God, gather us, Amor de Dios, Asnos Uno, make us one. But in uh, at some point, while we were listening to the song and you know recording it, I was making sketches of some things that we could do for maybe a cover. And I remember thinking, uh, I, 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 I sketched the, the, a picture of a donkey and then a number one right next to it, a big thick number one. Because in Spanish, you could say also without you know, with a different spelling, of course, but you can say that uh, donkeys, the plural for donkeys is asnos. You know, an asno is like a, an ass. And so uh, asnos would be the plural for asses. And then a number one. So I, I made a sketch of a donkey and a number one, you know, asnos uno. And I said, how about this? And so Bob changed the title of this song. And uh, and we also decided not to cut, to call the collection that. And he, you know, he loved Somos el Cuerpo so much that he just said, this is it. This is This is what we're looking for. I live in Arizona, which has a border with Mexico. Yet, I, my background is, you know, I grew up in El Salvador in Central America. If you're in El Salvador from Central America, Mexico is a different country. You know, we, we even though we look exactly alike, uh, we have different accent, we have different uh, uh, attitudes, uh, e even our nationalistic uh, attitudes are different, you know, and, and, and so... Uh, um, 
you know, if you're just living in El Salvador and that's where you are from, if you're from Mexico, you're a foreigner. You know, you're a different person. I'm sure that people who who live in in uh, Asian countries also have this this experience. You know, that they they all very look similar. Yet, you know, a person from Malaysia is not the same as a person from Japan. And even though we tend tend to uh, group them together once we're here in this country, so uh, the this the experience I have of Latin music and and Hispanic and Latin styles of music is very different than the average Mexican person that comes to Arizona. There's lots of them that come, especially from the northern part of Mexico. And so I remember that one of the things that I wanted to do is to help uh, showcase different styles of rhythms and music from different parts of Hispanic America. And so I remember thinking two things. I wanted to learn how to do those rhythms. But I also wanted to, you know, I, where I am in El Salvador, uh, what, what I, what the experience I had musically is, number one, El Salvador has very little original music. Most of the music from El Salvador comes from somewhere else, uh, based a lot in Europe. Uh, and so a lot of our, our music that has simple forms, you know, ABA forms, and they're very, very simple rhythms, really are European. They're really very much from Vienna and, and even Polish. Um, with, you know, and then they, they, they changed a little bit because of the instrumentation, but, but it really is you know, the, the way that, um, let's say, Mexican corridos are very similar to polkas and those, those type of things. I wanted to make sure that I took the energy to say, well, you know, Mexican music is super beautiful, but here is other things. So even in some, you know, I, I, I remember I, ha I have a, a song called The Lord Has Done Great Things. It's Psalm 126, and it's in, in the Breaking Bread hymnal also. When I remember showcasing that piece and recording it, what I remember thinking is, first of all, the, the song is only in English. It's written only in English. But I wanted to put it in a rhythm that was very Latin, with Latin percussion in, in a certain way, just to showcase Latin rhythms. They were not necessarily Mexican, but I wanted to show something that had some percussion from South America. Uh, I have recorded music. Um, I can think of, for example, right now, um, uh, I have a piece called Que Alegria, I Rejoice. It's a bilingual Psalm 122, you know, and, and, and in that one, we made a conscious effort to do it with South American rhythms, you know. So um, I have another piece in the Floricanto. It's only in Spanish, which is the the uh, Veni Santo Espiritus, no, Veni Espiritu Santo. And that was written in a very South American, Bolivian, uh, you know, rhythms of those, you know, it's dance, uh, a dance style of South America. Maybe it's just even Colombian. Uh, so because and, and they were on purpose, you know, written in certain styles because I wanted to showcase that the His Hispanic America had different rhythms that we could also show and showcase in the United States. And, and that what became important to me. So I've been thinking a lot about this idea of bilingual music ever since the Bob Heard episode on Panda Vida. And I'm, I've been wondering a lot about what the line is between kind of a tokenistic approach where, you know, we use bilingual music for the sake of using bilingual music and um, the very real role music can play in illustrating to our assemblies that we 
you know our our Sunday attendance is a is a small part of what uh, the actual world church looks like, and um, you know the all the different people around the world who make up the uh, the Catholic population. I've been asking some of those same questions myself, um, and and I think some of this depends on your perspective. Should the songs we sing in our liturgies reflect the people in the pews at that liturgy, or should what we do in liturgy reflect and interact with and and impact or have a conversation with what happens outside of liturgy during the week, during our regular lives? For example, the parish that I belong to is a small, rural, you know, Anglo-German background parish, and we don't have many native Spanish speakers or members of our Latino community who join us for worship, but certainly in our community, in our region, there is a large Hispanic population, and questions of justice and community and integration and immigration are at the forefront of our community and civic discourse. And I would argue that in my community, Even though we don't have a lot of Spanish speakers in the pews, it's important that what we do in liturgy on Sunday, again, is that reflection of culture and life and not just that one hour um, when we come together to celebrate Eucharist. Well, I think that speaks to a deeper question, too, about what are we really saying when we sing Jaime's song and we sing the words, we are the body of Christ, like what does that mean? It has to mean something more than, you know, the 200 people gathered in, um, you know, your town in rural Minnesota or my town in Imesville, Maryland. Um, I think we have a responsibility to be communicating through our musical and liturgical choices uh, that, you know, what the world church is, and um, how they pray. And um, I think when we sing, we are the body of Christ, it it has to come with um, the idea that we are they and they are us. And And I think too, you know, that therein, you know, finding that line also helps to clarify or define some of the, the boundaries between singing our membership in a global church, singing our inclusivity of cultures, and tokenism. Because I think there are there's also the um, the danger of singing music that we just like the sound of. We're gonna sing Sia Hamba because we just like the African sound or we're gonna sing this particular piece because we just like that and and I think there's a there's a danger if we don't go beyond just the we like the sound of something into a real consideration of that culture of our connection to those people through membership in one church um, otherwise we have the risk of being a little Disneyfied and and certainly tokenistic uh, in the way that we incorporate the music and language of other cultures into our regular Sunday liturgy. Yeah, and I think, you know, of course this also challenge us, uh, challenges us to remember that, you know, you and I, Matt, should not be the people who are deciding about, like, you know, how to incorporate these languages. I think it really calls us to have to engage um, those members of our community 
both within our parish and the greater community. You know, one of the challenges I'm facing in my current uh, parish is that we are one of the designated uh, parishes in the diocese uh, for uh, deaf ministry. So we have a designated mass where we have um, sign language interpreters. And I wonder, you know, what else there can be done to incorporate, um, you know, that aspect into how the whole assembly prays. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm realizing um, that, you know, it's the, all, you know, facets of uh, people and representation have to be at the table of our, of our worship committees, our liturgy committees, our parish councils, um, you know, in order for any of this to be authentic. And, and truly then what you're saying is if it's true that liturgy and Eucharist are our primary moments of catechesis, then those liturgies, inclusive of the songs we sing, the languages in which we pray, homilies, environment, gathering, hospitality, etc., all of it has to be done with a catechetical eye, has to be done with a eye towards forming and shaping the community, building those bridges and understanding. And that is not necessarily the way we approach bilingual music or the inclusion of other cultures. A lot of people view it as an imposition. Why should I sing in this language? I don't know that language, etc. And that 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 is sad, but it also review, reveals the need for much more of a catechetical approach to the way that we plan liturgy, form people, gather, than perhaps we, we are used to incorporating. And now, here is a recording of Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo in its entirety. Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. 
putting a stop to all discrimination. We are the body of Christ. Todas las razas que habitan la tierra. Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. All are invited to feast in the banquet. We are the body of Christ. And relieving the hungry We are the body of Christ Vamos al mundo a cuidar su rebaño Somos el cuerpo de Cristo Serving each other we build up the kingdom We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for more psalm options? Tired of your current mass setting? Wish you had access to new music but can't afford enough copies? Introducing Simply Liturgical Music, an innovative new online resource geared towards supplementing your current music repertoire. Simply Liturgical Music is a cost-effective collection of original psalms, hymns, and mass settings created by a network of composers who work in the trenches just like you. This entire resource is accessible for one annual fee. Just download, print, or share digitally and sing. Make as many copies as you need with no copyright guilt. See why parishes, schools, and college campuses all over the country have turned to Simply Liturgical Music to supplement their hymnal and enhance their worship experience without breaking their budgets. For more information, please visit slmusic.org. That's slmusic.org. Simply liturgical music. 
Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for the Open Your Hymnal playlist, the part of our show where we get to share additional music with you drawn from the themes of the episode. Zach, what do you have for us? Well, of course, Jaime talks a lot about his collaboration with Bob Hurd, so I wanted to feature one of those songs. And one of my absolute favorites is uh, a song by Jaime and Bob Hurd called Every Single Thing We Are.
So my first pick for today's playlist is a song written by someone who is featured a lot in Jaime's recordings, in Bob Hurd's recordings, and in the recordings of a lot of of liturgical composers. Um, her name is Anna Betancourt. She is music minister at St. Polycarp Parish in Los Angeles, and she also directs the Spanish choir at the cathedral in Los Angeles. And oftentimes people will know her because of her singing voice. She just has a, a beautiful, beautiful gift. Um, But she's also a composer in her own right, and she just released in the last year her first collection, her first recorded collection of music. So this is a song from that CD, Tu Eres Grande, You Are Great. Misericordioso, 
So for my next pick, I want to feature two things. One, I want to feature um, rhythm. Uh, that was a, a prominent part of our conversation with Jaime. I also want to feature the use of traditional melodies or folk songs. So my next choice is from the composer Donna Pena. This is a song, We Give Our Hearts to You, and it incorporates both um, some really wonderful rhythms and some percussion, and also the use of a traditional Peruvian folk song that I think a lot of our listeners will recognize. Breathe. 
So for my next pick, of course, we've talked a lot about uh, bilingual music. So I wanted to uh, do another setting of a bilingual psalm by a different composer, this by uh, Lourdes Montgomery. It is her setting of Psalm 128, Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Dichosos los que temen al Señor. I'm glad we got to feature some of Lourdes's music on the podcast. You know, it's it's sometimes easy or tempting to put these bilingual composers in a box and to think that this is all that they do. But Lourdes also writes like concert music for for orchestras. And I think maybe Matt, in your next pick, you're also going to show us a different side of of a of a composer. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go back to our guest today, Jaime Cortez, and play another song of his. This is from one of his most recent albums called Transformation. Um, as we talked about in the episode today, um, I mean, Jaime, is, he's a very gifted musician, and he's a well-rounded musician, and he's able to represent a variety of styles. He's sort of a musical chameleon. You know, I mean, when you think about one of his best-known songs, Rain Down, it has a very different sound than Somos, and he's able to, to speak in a variety of idioms. So this is from his album Transformation, and it is the title track, Jaime Cortez's song called Transformation. I 
Thank you for listening to Open Your Hymnal, and special thanks to Jaime Cortez for speaking with us. Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo is published by OCP. The recording you heard was released by OCP on the album Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo. For more information about this song, the other songs you heard, links to purchase this music, and additional resources can be found at our website, openyourhymnal.com. Production assistance and support for this episode was provided by OCP. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes and Google Play. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Matt Reichert. And I'm Zach Stahowski. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.